Thank you for joining us at the Center for Spiritual Living. We hope you enjoy this podcast. And for further information, please visit us at spiritualliving.org. Ah, then we're on this train. I want to talk about the train. I'm going to sit down because I want to have a conversation. I'm not necessarily going to be preachy, although did I get preachy first service a little bit? Oh, good. I don't want to preach. I just want to talk. It's one of the things that I think we're not doing a lot of because I think people hold back because they may have noticed that no one's really listening. People are waiting for their opportunity to jump in and say what they want to say. I've noticed that uh, in conversations. And I have to watch myself. Am I listening? Before I launch into my, my sharing, my talk, my share my heart moment, I just want to say it's good that there are some things that are, <laughs> that are still happening. That are, they're constants. It's like touchstones. Human nature likes, likes diversity. We like things just a little bit different. And at the same time, we like security and sameness. Those are two driving forces in the, in the human intellect. And so while everything is very different right now, it's nice that there's some things that are the same, such as Father's Day. It's Father's Day. And I thought of my father, and I actually wanted to look through my pictures so that I could maybe somehow project it, and you could see my father, and I could honor him. But um, for some reason, I know there's a picture around, but... Uh, I just don't have it. So praise God for fathers. Rocks right now. The other thing that's a constant is the sun keeps turning. And it's the summer solstice. So what's the same is it's the summer solstice. It's the weekend of the summer solstice. What's different is Fremont is not having their celebration. So there are no naked people riding their bicycles down the street. What a What a shame. I know. Well, it hasn't been nice weather anyway, so maybe they were saved. But, uh, but, this, but it is so constant. People all over the world, and I've been in India, and I've been in Peru and Ecuador. I've been um, in England and Scotland and Ireland and all places that I've been there has been a reverence for the winter and the summer solstice. And I love doing the summer solstice celebration at our church, and I'm always talking about it being birth. In the darkest part of the night, there is a birth. The year is being reborn. The days will get longer. Well, actually, in the summer solstice, and I've only talked about this once because it happened on a Sunday or Wednesday, I'm not sure, I talked about the summer solstice being the death of the year, it growing shorter and shorter and shorter, and it happens in the most light. Last night at 10 o'clock, I could still see around my farm. And when I said then, and I want to say it again, is perhaps this is the time with all of that consciousness, with all of that reverence for this time of year, for 
mil, not millions, millions of people and thousands of years is to let this be the celebration of a death of something, whether it's personal or cultural. To let this be the end. Let this be finished. The talk title is Creative Living Through Uncertain Times. <laughs> I came up with that talk title weeks and weeks ago because that's what my staff wants me to do. They want me to plan ahead and tell them what I'm going to say so that they can write it down someplace. And I really do try to uh, be a good person and, and fulfill their wants and needs. And so I wrote down creative living and I was actually going to talk about how I do collage and how I start with something and it looks a certain way and I just keep adding until I like it because I think that's what life is like. We can't, we can't remove ourselves from our past, but maybe we can continue to add things to the present moment so that we like the picture that we come up with. We like the life that we're living, the life that we're living. It seemed like a really good idea when the only thing that I was really dealing with was a pandemic, a world pandemic. Think about this. The only thing that I had on my mind was a worldwide pandemic. I mean, those were the good old days. If you think about it, (laughs) the good old days was wondering, and I was going to talk to people about this. I was going to say, guess what? We may not go back to normal right away if we ever do until there's a vaccine We've got to get used to all looking like bandits. And and we've got to get used to not being able to really see people or see them smile or have facial expressions unless you're on Zoom or this right now. And that being barefaced will be something we'll long for. Speaking of barefaced, I've so been acclimated to this that I have watched things that people are showing on video, uh, like I, I'll see these church services uh, that people are sharing with me, and all I can think of is, ooh, they're too close together and they don't have masks on. I, 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 just, I, just, I just moved into this. But I will say that I refused to wear a seatbelt for a very long time. And it wasn't until I would have dates that would say, I'm not taking you anywhere unless you fasten that seatbelt, that I actually sort of got in the habit. But now I'm in the habit of going into public places and wearing a mask. And I do not do it because I'm afraid. I don't do it because I'm going to catch something, but I would hate to be a carrier and give this some to someone else. It's, it's just, I, I think, courtesy. I think wearing a mask has a lot to do with whether we're coming from me, my rights, what I want to do, and we, what's good for us as a society, as a culture, as a group of people trying to stay healthy. Which leads me really to the theme of of this talk because it's not necessarily about adding layers. It's uh, The theme is this train we're on moving from me to we the train's moving and as I just said on something I'll tell you about later um, we're all going to get on that train because the presence of God the love of God is pulling humanity up into itself 
This is a teaching of Teilhard de Chardin, so I'm not going to get into it, but he said that love was the impulsion that drew, will draw us to God, and God is one, and we will not know God unless we know love, and we know oneness, and that means no meanness. That means I am an individual, but it means an individualization of the one, and we're growing into that. Well, that was where the good old days when that's all I had to talk about. And then the earthquake happened. You know what an earthquake is? I just thought of that. An earthquake happens when there's, there's the te- tectonic, tectronic plates and one wants to go one way and the other one won't let it go. And then finally it just something happens. So when society and God and, and impulsion and evolution is moving us as a culture, but we as a culture don't want to move, there's an earthquake. Actually, this is the best metaphor I'm going to use. It gets messier. So if you don't like this metaphor, wait till the next one. The earthquake seemed to happen... Uh, uh, was instigated. It seemed like the quake came from the death of a of another black man. And then the demonstration started for racial inequality and the end of police brutality. And yes, I know that there are good men and women on the police force. But it doesn't take much to know that now we're seeing, because of people with cell phones, that brutality does happen. But brutality is not in any one place. It's not just in the police force. Brutality happens when, when dogs are bred to fight other dogs or chickens are bred to fight chickens. I mean, brutality happens. Come on, brothers and sisters, let's talk. You know, some people say that in this particular philosophy, religious science or a new thought, that we gloss over things and we're all being positive and that we do spiritual bypass. I don't bypass anything. I know what's going on. We know what's going on. We can't, we can't say it's not going on, but I also know where I want to be and I know the steps how to get there. And that's my job is to share steps. There's brutality that happens. And to those of us who are making the transition, who have gotten on the train from me to we, we hurts. We hurts. We hurts when we hurts. I did a video a few years ago when the, there was the bombing of, the, of the, the gay bar. I'm pretty sure it was in Florida. And I sat under a tree because I heard from the Native Americans. <laughs> I heard from Native Americans that, that they would, or a Native American tradition, that they would sit on the earth or lean against a tree and let Mother Earth take their sorrow and their pain because it was too much for them to bear. And I was in that place of it's just too much to bear. And so I was leaning against this tree and I did a video and tried to share it with other people who might be in the same amount of pain. And uh, all I could say is we hurt because we are we. I may not identify with LBG. I, and I just, I was told all the letters and I'm just so frustrated right now. I can't get them all, but I'll, I'm not, I don't identify there, but it doesn't mean that I don't hurt because they are human. I am human. We are human. We are human. 
and human beings who see other human beings hurt. If we're in the we consciousness, if we've caught that train, we hurt as well. For me, the same thing is going on again. And the pain is not just that George Floyd, or for George Floyd, but for the oppression of people of color, fellow human beings, for so many years. Our colorful humans. And if you don't think that there's oppression and prejudice, and the reason I'm saying this is because I shared my, uh, on an email that I sent out to, um, to our congregation, in fact, actually, the, I don't know, six or 7,000 people we have on our mailing list, and I shared my dis- dismay at, at brutality continuing to happen, and people asked to not, or a person asked to not be on the mailing list anymore, and someone else who love, who says, I love you and you've always been an inspiration, but how could you say these things about cops? And I didn't say anything about cops, which means that whole thing about listening. No, I said brutality, police brutality. Doesn't mean that policemen are bad. It's brutality is bad. Anyway, so for those of you that still might be there, Wondering what I'm talking about, let me give you a very telling example. I watched a video of a white woman standing in front of a crowd of white people in an audience, and this was before there was a pandemic, because they were sitting close together, and they had no masks. So it must have been a while ago. And she said, for those of you that don't think that there is oppression of the races, how many of you would wish to be a black person in the United States right now and nobody would raise their hand? So we know, really, we know it goes on. And then there's the aftershock. You know, when the earthquake happens, you think that you've put all the books back on the shelf and you think that you've uh, cleaned up all the china that fell And you think, you know what, I've only lost four or five pieces, this is good, and then there's the aftershock and the aftershock and the aftershock. (laughs) So for us in Seattle, and for those of you that are not in Seattle, we've been making the national news because part of the aftershock was a place on Capitol Hill that was first named Chaz, and now it's called Chop. I like Chaz better because it just sounds kind of jazzy, jazzy. But it's now CHOP. And uh, the aftershock is what's going on there, but also all the varying views of what's going on there. And it's hard to stay grounded when the earth keeps shifting. You know, as as spiritual beings, we're told to be grounded, to be grounded in God, but stuff's shifting. That's what happens in an earthquake. I was going to sing this song with Joel, but he sat down. It's because the only thought, thing that kept coming to my mind as I was driving in today is that. I hear the earth move under my feet. I feel the sky come tumbling down. Doesn't it feel like that? Thank you. I thought. Da, 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 da. But anyway, that's just because really it's like there's no stability in this world right now. 
That's what happens with an earthquake. You think you've got it, then it shakes again. You think you've got it, and it shakes again. And it's disconcerting. It's, But here's the deal. Earth. Earth, for me, in metaphysical and mythical and psychological, deep psychology terms, earth means what we think is real, permanent, and safe. What we think is real, permanent, and safe, that's our earth. That's what's supposed to stay stable. Well, guess what? What we think is real may not be real. What we think is, is, is permanent is not permanent because nothing's permanent. It's an illusion. Nothing can stay the same. And if you think that that isn't true, do you have the body you had when you were 12 or 21 or 30 or 60? <laughs> you know, everything changes. Nothing is permanent. But it doesn't mean that it can't be safe. If our safety is only dependent upon what's real is real and what's permanent is permanent, then we'll never be safe. But if we allow ourselves to know there's a safety beyond all that, then we will be safe. An example of what's real is me asking a simple question about people's experience of the chop. And I got so many varying answers. And somebody said, go down there, go down there. You check it out, you check it out. Well, here's the deal. This is why I didn't. Because it's different to visit at a place than to live in a place. I asked people who were there, who, what's your experience? You know, Disneyland, I love. I wouldn't want to be there alone at night. I just don't want to be alone in Disneyland. I don't want, you know, that's just, I wouldn't feel good. And if people came to my house and they listened this morning and the birds were chirping and it's beautiful... They'd say, wow, this is the most quiet, beautiful place. Until right now, people start practicing with their fireworks. Literally. Boomers. See, it's different to visit than it is to live there. And people living there had totally different experiences. So what's real? Margaret Wheatley calls on us to become warriors of the human spirit. And what she says is the human spirit is a spirit of, of kindness, generosity, and compassion, which is what love looks like when it takes human form. When love takes human form, it turns out as kindness, generosity, and compassion. And we have to be for humanity like we are for whatever sports group we like. And I know there's a whole bunch of Seahawks fans out there. And for those of you that beyond this area, whatever team you root for, even if it's, if it's something like The Voice or America's Got Talent, you know what it's like to root for something. Root for humanity. Know the spirit of humanity. That's what it is to be a warrior. You know, I didn't want to use the, the, the word warrior because it sounds so violent. Um, but a vo- warrior is someone that stands up for what they believe in. There's a Tibetan prophecy that says that spiritual warriors will emerge in times of great danger. And that's what's happening. We're in danger. You know what's in danger? Me. Remember I said me to we? Me is in trouble. My view, my identity, my need to be right is being challenged and feels like it's dangerous. 
John Power said that for the me, me generation, there's a closely held belief in otherness, therefore wrongness, therefore my own superiority. In the Tibetan uh, prophecy, it said that the warrior's weapons will be two things, compassion and insight. What the spiritual warrior has going for them is compassion and insight. And I see how those are tied together. Because as Margaret said, people who are compassionate with no insight can be overwhelmed and burned out. Compassion shows up as loving kindness in service to humanity. They're generous with themselves. I think if you look at the people that we hold dear, at least I hold dear, I think this generation holds dear, what history lifts up, those who are remembered as heroes were spiritual warriors because they had compassion, they had love. That was what they used. It's a compassion and love is a muscle within us, but it needs to be cultivated and strengthened and then used for good. But to have just compassion and no insight, it really will wear you out. I had an experience of that in one of my classes where this wonderful gentleman was given the opportunity with others to deliver food to people who could not go outside because of either age or uh, uh, preconditioned, and they preconditions, and they they were susceptible to the coronavirus. So they were not; they were told, "Don't leave your house." So he and a whole force of other people were delivering food to these people every day, and. In the class, he was saying, there's just so much, and it's just so wrong, and I'm so overwhelmed. And it's, and it's like, he put his attention on what wasn't being done. And then I said, no, 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 wait. How many people did you feed today? How many people did you feed? And it's like he had to stop. And then when he multiplied who he fed and how, how many his group had fed, he could celebrate. See, part of insight is celebrating wins. Because a compassionate heart will always see where the wound is, but insight will let us see where the healing is, where the gift is, what the trajectory is. Spirit, to do a bypass says this isn't happening, a spiritual bypass. A spiritual person, someone who is allowing themselves to live from the Christ within, can see what's happening and see what God is doing to it. And how it is being drawn out. Insight gives us a broad view. Yes, it has been 400 years. It hasn't just been recent. It's been 400 years of oppression for people who are brought here from Africa. 400 years. Actually, it's been at least 4,000 years. It is normal in what we've called civilizations to have people either indentured or slaves. That was normal. It is the meanness seeing you as otherness so I can be superior to you. It's not we. There's no we in that. But here... 
listen to this. This is so powerful. In 1967, and I was alive and I was there. You probably weren't, Stephanie Ann, in 1967. In 1967, I was alive and I was there and I was watching. There were 200 recorded, 200 civil rights demonstrations. In the last two weeks, there have been 4,000 all over the world. That train has left the station. The WE train is gathering steam. And now here's the thing. Fremont canceled the big celebration that I know some people look forward to year to year. I mean, I know people that that's their big deal. That is like, that is the, that is the Christmas of their world. It's like, woohoo! They canceled it because of the coronavirus. Not wanting to risk exposure or have people be risking exposure. And yet, all over the world, people are filling streets, willing to risk exposure to the COVID virus because they want to say enough is enough. We've got to get over this. Wow. Wow. That's not just dedication. That's like I'm willing to put my life on the line for other lives. Now I want to share with you my next metaphor. It's a little messier than the earthquake. And it has no song that goes to it. Although Beverly does write songs, so who knows. We need to step back. And say enough to an abscess. The abscess of otherness, tribal thinking, separation, and therefore superiority. Now let me tell you a little bit about abscesses. My first real job that I got was as a... uh, uh, I worked for a veterinarian. Right now I'd be called a vet technician, but I wasn't trained. He just trained me, and I did a lot of things. And one of the things that can happen a lot with small animals, and uh, especially cats, and now I found out from horses, is that they can get a tiny little prick or, or cut, and it heals over very quickly, but the infection's still there, and it just starts to eat away underneath the skin. Not, it gets puffy, and it's sore, and it hurts. It's not fun. And what we would do is we'd have to lance it, and this is, and it's, comes out and it's ugly. It's ugly and it's stinky. Well, guess what? Right now, things can be ugly and it's stinky. And I realize we have lanced something that has been growing for a very, very, very long time, which means it's uglier and stinkier than ever. But the tendency can be, the tendency can be, and maybe that's what happened in 1967, is that we just want it to heal over and look better. But what vets know is, is that if you let that heal over again, guess what? The bacteria is still there. The problem's still there. The otherness is there. The meanness is there. Meanness and meanness. And, and this idea of tribal thinking and superiority, it's still there and it's going to come out somewhere. So if, 
If I was working with an animal, I had to do this with my horse. I had to keep the wound open and I had to continually disinfect it. I had to put something in there that would kill the bacteria. We have to do something in our culture right now to kill the idea that all people aren't equal. That all life isn't to be revered, not tolerated, revered. Because the mind wants to defend, but the human spirit, the soul, wants to connect and love and embrace and include, we have to be the people who show up not to make it look good, make people be quiet, let's get through this, but let's have something even more important happen. So compassion must be used with insight as a spiritual warrior to help do a deep healing. So I have some things to say. For those of you who are called that want to be a warrior, that want to stand up for God expressing through humanity, which is our human spirit, here are some things. They're very, very easy. Don't go back to sleep. Stay in the process by loving the process. Oh, it's messy. Yep. Isn't it great? Oh, this is ugly. Yeah. Isn't it great? It was happening anyway. In the gospel, according to Thomas, it says, know what is in front of your face and all shall be revealed to you for there is nothing hidden that will not be revealed. What's in front of our face is good for us to know. Stay with it. Don't expect things to go back to the way they were. That's not the way life works. It's just not the way anything works. Don't think think that you know how things should be. One of the big learnings I'm getting is I don't know much. Praise God. Be led by inspiration instead of desperation. I got that from one of my mentors. Too many people want to... Be desperate to do something, to fix it, to make right, to show you how you're wrong, to show you you shouldn't use that word, to show you. you It's like that's desperation. And it always has an energy and a phonetics to it that is not life. It's not life sustaining. Inspiration, on the other hand, when we are inspired to act the way we are to act, it is like. We get to live in the Bible verse which says, I shall make straight your way. An inspired action has so much heart in it. Doesn't, you don't even care how it turns out. You are just so convinced and fortified by you are doing what you're, you are to do. Just like that wonderful gentleman in my class who's called to feed people. The most important question to be asking yourself right now is, who am I choosing to be in this moment? That comes from Viktor Frankl, and he came up with that idea in a concentration camp. (laughs) And he came up with the idea that he should be the best Viktor Frankl I can be in now, in this moment. Well, what are you called to do? Let it be inspired. Assume that you are here for a mighty reason. If you're watching this, 
If you're attracted to the Center for Spiritual Living, yeah, you want to make a better life for yourself. Yeah, you want your family to have what they need. But you're also called because you want to be a force for good in the world. That's who we attract. If you're listening to this, assume that you are here for a reason. And then take a stand for possibility. Take a stand for the possibility of an in-depth spiritual healing. One of the things that moves me the most by our founder, Ernest Holmes, is when he talked about the difference between a cure versus a healing. A cure is when you solve a problem, but it pops up again. You're sick, you get well. You're sick, you get well. You're employed, you hate it. You're employed again, you hate it. Well, then you get another job. I'm not loved. Oh, they love me. I'm not, you know, blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah, blah. (laughs) How many of you have had those blah, blah, blahs? He said when you have a healing, it never reoccurs. See, I think that some people want something to go back to some other thing that they don't even know about. And what I think that the Spirit of God is drawing us to is the healing of the idea that we are separate from others. The healing of the idea that we can do well and not include others and not have it come back to us. That needs to be healed at depth. So that the things that we are facing, all of the, the, the marginalization and the discrepancy and the, and the things that we read in the paper, I always feel like we're playing whack-a-mole. That's wrong and that's wrong and that's wrong and that's wrong. And we, we create all these laws to fix it. And guess what? It just keeps popping up. That abscess has been around for a long time, brothers and sisters. So the healing is for this movement in mind from me to we and away from us and them. So take a deep breath. And ask yourself if you're willing to be a warrior. To let that strength and that Courage move through you. Are you willing to say, use me, God, for purposes greater than myself? Are you willing to join in the prayer of St. Francis when he said, make me an instrument of thy peace? Are you willing to have the forgiveness and the compassion And the insight of Nelson Mandela. If so. Thanks for. Thanks for being on the train. And let's just make space. Because more will be joining us. Because I know the end. And in the end, no matter how many people's straggle everyone will be caught up by the spirit of God in the name of their God to know the oneness of all humanity and so it is